Welcome to It's Too Wordy, a comic book podcast where three buddies get together and talk about comics from their childhood to today. I'm Nick, and I'm joined by Kirk, Brian, and we're going to talk about old comics, new comics, whatever we feel like. We're going to have like uh, 60s, 70s, today, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> um, sorry, it was a month between episodes, but um, sometimes life and school and children come in and wreck it. Yeah, you know, most of the time it's just the job that wrecks this stuff, so. So we're doing the new book or the old book? Let's do the new book. All right. Ugh. I want to do mine first and get it out of the way for you guys, okay? Oh, no. Wait till you see my book. Oh, I don't know. I stopped reading mine halfway through. <laughs> I picked up Olympus Rebirth, the one shot by DC Comics. And it's the death, it's the ascension of Wonder Woman's mom. We'll just do that. To Olympus, and it's her interacting with all the gods and goddesses, and uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Thor yet. Um, nope. There's a part, I'll just say, I can't ever look uh, look at Zeus the same ever again after seeing that movie. And uh, yeah, it's basically the gods don't give a shit about something. I quit reading halfway through. And... Uh, it was horrible. I wish I hadn't picked it up and just stuck with the book I did before. So, yeah. Great. Nothing like a good Hippolyta story. Two two thumbs two thumbs down and a turd flushing in the toilet bowl. <laughs> nice. All right, that's what I had. You want to go first? You want me to? Oh, I will. I, okay. Because I feel I can can follow that one up really well. Um. So I did the last Shadowhawk. They aren't kidding. This is oh, the last Shadowhawk. I almost picked that up. Uh, yeah, big battle. I'm not spoiling anything. This is a one shot, and he dies. Does, does he? Uh, does he have feet? He has feet. Oh my god! This How is about uh, pouches. 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 No pouches. No, pouches. no this Damn is it. Philip Tan that wrote the story, and then Daniel uh, Hernquiz. Oh, did the inks. That's why. Okay. So, yeah, no Liefeld at Life, all. I saw Liefeld uh, did the did a cover, and I was he like... He did do a cover. But, uh, yeah, no. Last battle, Shadowhawk's dying, and he sees the uh, Egyptian gods and is talking to him. And I'm like, oh, this is a good start to the beginning of a great story. And then it's like, the end. No further. You're done. See you later. He becomes Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. So, uh, buddy of mine at work got me this book at C2E2. He went up and was like, I want the most ridiculous book for this guy at work. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I was like, no. Um, it's by the girl who does Zombie Tramp. Mm-hmm. Right, And this is called Cannibal Kitty. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> and, uh, yeah, this cover is just a cat girl saying meow with playing her, the piano with, with her, her tits giant hang- boobs up. Tits hanging out. <laughs> Um, when i read this i was like this dude's pretty sick like there's just like murder and blood and boobs like through the whole book the fuck do you gotta be on to be fucking coming up with that it's a woman that wrote it what the Uh fuck yeah Yeah, she wrote it and uh i was like it's not autographed he's like yeah it's weird right you meet the artist or the like the person who creates it and she didn't autograph her own book but yeah it's oh wow i do not understand what i read at all (laughs) 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 but uh 
Did you like the story? <laughs> what story? <laughs> so, thanks, Anthony. Like, I came home and I was like, look at what Anthony bought. My mom's right there and Sophie's right there. Just, my mom's like, look, he just had the look on her face. <laughs> Zoe's like, very nice. I'm like, I can't wait to get the CG seed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put a poster picture up on, uh, on uh, whatever. That's awesome. But I got like a sticker. Of like some big boobed unicorn girl, and then a zombie tramp postcard. I don't think I'll be reading any more of those. That's awesome. <laughs> How can you follow that? You can. So we got some real winners there. Yes, yeah. you, you can. Like, um, a month off, and that's what we come up with. That is. Go ahead. Like <laughs> I don't think my wife will let that. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it up on the wall. <laughs> oh. Just sit there and have to look at it when we finally do some stuff. I'm gonna get make a poster or yeah, poster out of it. Just put it over there behind <laughs> me so Arn can stare at it all day <laughs> while he's drawing dicks. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. So, what do you got, Ryan? <laughs> You got a quarter quest coming up? Got, yep. Yeah? Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, We're, we've been thrown off by the <laughs> yeah. cat tits. So weird. Oh. I don't even know what I read. Like, uh-huh. I seriously was reading this outside of work, and I was like, what the, the hell is this? What the fuck am I reading? <laughs> so we're going to move on to quarter quest, where we talk about comics that we bought for a dollar or less from three different eras. And I picked up Rawhide Kid number 81 from Marvel from, I think, 1979, if I'm correct. Oh, it doesn't matter. And, <laughs> I mean, if you want to look at what date this is, it's, there's only one series. Unless you go to the Max series or the, you know, the four-issue miniseries from the 80s. This is by Stan Lee. He edited it, written by Larry Lieber. His brother. Yeah. Larry Lee. This is not one of the best Rawhide Kid stories I've ever read. It's pretty boring. He goes and finds a job at a ranch. And this rancher's being a big old dick to people who are moving onto his land, like settling it. And, he goes out and decides he wants to kill them and run them off. Or run them off and burn down their places and whatever. And Rawhide Kid makes googly eyes at one of his daughters. And he's like, you get out of here. And then he has to like go to the people. And he gets Well, actually, he gets beat up and thrown onto a field. And these people, like the settlers, come and rescue him. And he has to defend the people that are, you know, helping him out. And the rancher hires, like, mercenaries. And they come out and, like, try to kill everybody and burn their houses down. And... Yeah, and then they turn on the guy that was hiring them. So that's basically a male version of Quick and the Dead by starring Sharon Stone. Yes. Okay. Yes. Nice. And every time I read this, I think of the Max series with Rawhide Kid where he was gay. And I'm, I'm looking at this like, he's hitting on the girl. Like, is it just a front? Does he eat a beard? What is this? What is this? <laughs> he's got a beard. Yep. And her name, I can't remember her name. It just doesn't matter because it, she never comes back. It was, yeah, not the best. All right. But still better than what I read before. They're better than cat tits. <laughs> See how much I can make Ryan laugh. <sighs> you know, instead of cap tits, we got cat tits. <laughs> All right. So I picked up The Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Man. And it says Killer Frost Lives Again. That was a badass cover, though. It is a badass cover. I love it. It was released in sometime in the 80s, 1985. 
It was written by Jerry Conway. Raphael Kiannan was the penciler. Alan Kupperberg, the inker. Philip Felix was the letterer. And Nancy Houlihan was the uh, colorist. They got a blimp here. I just noticed that in the splash page. It says good wear, not good year. Wow. I just noticed that. Starts off. The good wear blimp uh, looks like it gets attacked. Firestorm staves the people. And his friends are like, oh, oh. They're pointing around. And uh, apparently... uh, Trying to distract me? Because <laughs> it's... Oh, Jesus. Um, Where was I? Uh, put that right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's too wordy. Um, <laughs> this girl, Doreen, I guess she dated Firestorm. And she's like, he looks so familiar. I love these old comics where they're like, he just looks like I know the guys from somewhere. Blah, blah, blah. Just runs through the story. Um, a building catches on fire. Kid goes, Firestorm goes in and saves him. And you know it says Killer, Killer Frost uh, lives again. And it's one of those comic books where you're going and you're like, okay, when does Killer Frost make an appearance? Going along, he's saving people. He's talking to the guy, the professor, in his head. You know. And you keep going. I really did like this story. It's just been like a month since I read it. <laughs> um, And Killer Frost makes an appearance at the very end on the last page. Whoa. They already ruined it. They told you that she She's lives a, again. Yeah. <laughs> She's on the last page. I was hoping she'd be like, you know, the whole fucking story. Nope. They teased you to the end. So is that cover supposed to be a ripoff of the Hulk Secret Wars cover? I don't know, but I do like this cover. Could be. It's got that. It could, yeah. Or is it the? Yeah, I think it is. Where he's like, or the words, one that's where it says a Hulk on it, and he's holding yeah, the, holding the, the words, words up. Words, but it could be the se- Secret was, Wars. Secret was Wars the first one though. Secret Wars was a year before that, wasn't it? Eighty-four. I think so. Yeah, could be. So the one where he's holding up the Hulk. That was after. holding up the boulders, yeah. 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 Hmm. Um, I don't give it much credit because I couldn't remember everything that happened. Those fire old Firestorm stories are really good. I I love I love the I love Firestorm. The the old the this old run here. That's the one you yeah, because the second run with Jolly was not great. I uh and then Liefeld's version. I started collecting <laughs> it and I was like I just got away from it, you know, and I'm like, oh, I really do like this, you know. Uh-huh. So I recommend Firestorm. Just don't hold me to this review. <laughs> so. All right. Well, that brings it I, to me. I promise I have books that I read like last night. <laughs> All right. So I did the real Ghostbusters. Not the fake. 18. Well, not the. Uh, Ghostbusters. Filmation or, Ghostbusters. Yeah, Filmation Ghostbusters. This is the real Ghostbusters based off of 
the Ghostbusters movie characters. Um, it was released in February of 1990. Uh, the story was done by James Van Hyes. Pencils were Phil Hester, which blew my mind. I didn't know he did. Hester's really cool. Um, Jim Brosman's the inks. Joseph Allen was letters. And Susan Dichnick was colors. So Winston, in this particular issue, Winston basically has had enough and decides he's going to take a vacation. So he does so. Um, yeah, it's been a hot minute since I read this one, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Damn kids. Oh. Anyhow, he's in kind of like this retirement village, and there's this old guy in a wheelchair, and for whatever reason, he's eating goldfish. Not the snack, like actual goldfish you buy at a PetSmart. Um, and Winston's kind of hanging out, and he finds out that... Um, there's a creature there from another dimension, um, and a woman pulls a futuristic gun on him, basically saying, hey, you're going to help us figure out this dimension thing. Um, in the meantime, Egon, Ray, and Peter are back in the uh, firehouse, and they're talking about, um, they've triangulated where this phenomenon's happening uh, in a small town in Florida called Beachhead, guess who's there? Winston. So I thought the GI Joe. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Beachhead from GI Joe, the drill sergeant. Um, anyhow, the old guy creepily is looking out the window. He reminds me a lot of uh, the old creepy guy from uh, Family Guy, the one's always chasing after Chris. Anyhow, uh, he's oh, looking. Yeah. <laughs> He's looking out the window, checking out one of the boys that's walking by and Winston and the, the lady, futuristic lady and her co-partner or whatever he is. um, We're talking, they go hear some yelping. They go chasing down and they find the old guy attacking a kid and he fires fire from his fist and hits the two futuristic people. And, Winston's like, wow, that took them out, but I didn't feel anything. And um, the old guy turns into a scorpion-looking-like creature-ish thing and starts attacking Winston and throwing furniture at him. And uh, (laughs) Winston throws some water on the floor from the empty goldfish tank and then throws a light into the water to electrocute him just in time for two other creatures to come up behind him. But right when they were about to snag Winston, in came the rest of the Ghostbusters and blasted him. And, um... Yeah. That's about it. So, and apparently they did... Is that right? They made a comic about little monsters? Don't let my, Mandel, Fred Savage. Don't let my daughter see it. She'll be petrified for the rest of your life. Well, it judging by made, the art, it never yes. came out, but I never saw it. I don't know if I've ever seen it. Um, anyhow, the real Ghostbuster run is a fantastic run. Uh, they got a lot of. Um, it, it's really wordy. 
<laughs> you know, if compared to nowadays comics, would it be? It is too wordy. wordy yes. Um, oh my god, they did. But they aren't uh, super expensive, so absolutely check them out. They actually did a spinoff with Slimer as well, and they did make a little monsters. Huh. With photo covers. Uh. <laughs> I'll put my man on it, see if he can find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do they have a Drop Dead Fred comic? Do they really? I don't know, do they? I don't know. My wife would that. love that. That'd be better than that gonna have That's Howie, like her favorite movie of all time. Drop Howie, Dead Fred. I'm like, Howie Mandel will show up with his tits out in that comic book. <laughs> I was watching the young ones again. I forgot how funny Rick Mayall was. All right. <laughs> so now we go to everybody's favorite part of the show. Random reads. Where are we talking about random crap? All right. I'll go first. I picked up Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. So they kind of put into canon that his dad is dead. And he now is the, uh, except he runs the Five Weapons Society. And uh, so he doesn't want to have the rings because he doesn't want to end up being corrupted like his dad. So he drives it out to uh, to an island and he has this uh, bunker. And he locks it behind the bunker. Well, now he knows that everybody knows that he has the rings. So, well, let's back up here. He's got a girl. They're playing miniature golf. She wants to have a relationship with him, but he says, I'm no fun. Because everything gets ruined because of who I am. Anyway, you skip forward. And now... uh. Razor Fist. What a name. I love that fucking name. <laughs> Razor Fist. I was like, your name is Razor Fist. They just threw a couple of darts at the wall. What sounds fierce? Here's some words. Let's see what happens. I'm waiting for Pound Town to show up. <laughs> oh, I take you to Pound Town, Shang-Chi! And uh, so uh, Razor Fist shows up at the Putt-Putt. New Marvel character to play. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a good one. Pound pound. And so Razor Fist uh gets defeated by Shang-Chi and then he has to go back to what's the name of his place? Is it Taobo? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. From the movie. Yeah, yeah it's Taolo. Goes back to Taolo where Hydra is attacking, trying to get the rings, because everybody, all these big bad major uh, groups want to get it right. So the first one that attacks is uh, Hydra. They break in. The guy thinks he's gotten the rings, and he gets slaughtered. Right, and then uh, Lady Iron Fan shows up. And then it's like a who's who of the menagerie. You got the hand. You got this weird, the collective, the red dot collective, the inner demons. demons. They're all trying to get it, right? Uh, oh, I take it back. It's this guy from the uh, 
what was it, the red dot? Yeah. From the red dot tries to steal the rings. And the rings basically eviscerate him. And um He puts the rings on and kicks everybody's ass to get out of trouble. Then you go on to the second issue, and he's still running. And this time, him and whoever this guy is, Master Ling, uh, put the rings in a different location in a bunker guarded by these dragon-like gargoyle things. And... uh. Liko Liko Wu shows up. Turns out that's an old flame of of Shang Chi's, and she's like, "Have you seen this guy? The, the his other partner from MI6 or whatever it was." And it shows a really bad, like Shang Chi from like the seventies. Here, it's hilarious. I started laughing when I saw it because you look at him and he looks older there than he does here, and. uh so they go in, and they're going to rescue their friend, and they take out everybody out, and long story short, MI6, the two ch- people uh, betrayed him, and now MI6 is in control of the rings because they're just too powerful for one man to have. So the British uh, government has them now. That's where that one ended. And then I picked up, I've read the first three issues of uh, Judgment Day. And I have to say that I am enjoying the hell out of it. Because I thought when it said Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals, I was like, come on, are the Avengers going to like, you know, fight the X-Men again? Because that's getting kind of (laughs) boring. You know, and you're just shoehorning the Eternals in here because you're trying to make them relevant and not boring. Guess what? The most boring part of the whole goddamn book is the Eternals. But the Avengers and the X-Men are on the same side. And Cap and Cyclops shake hands and become friends, you know, because Cap really figures out what's going on. Well, the reason the Eternals are attacking is that they found out that the mutants are doing reincarnation. And that's an eternal thing. That That's not... They're a deviant. Or a variant, or whatever it was. I think it's a deviant. Mutants are deviants. They aren't eternal. And so... One of the Eternals is trying to uh, trying to kill everybody, all the mutants, and it's pretty much the whole gist of the story. I don't want to give too much away, but I like that they got rid of Jean Grey's mini skirt costume and put her in an actual cost like it's not right costume, you know, but. It's just, it's good. It's, it's, I've enjoyed every book so far. I think book three was like, kind of like the, the filler book before they ramp it back up. But I'm not going to go through all three 
but it, the basic story is the Eternals are trying to destroy the mutants because they've come up with um, how to reincarnate, so they're trying to kill the five, and um, the world is not happy that the mutants now know how to bring themselves back to life, and all their human relatives are dead, and they can't bring them back, their kids are dead, and stuff like that. So it's just something like that. The story's been really cool. So I'm glad you liked it. I I just did the free comic book day one and it did nothing for me at all. I had no idea what it was going to be about. I had bought issue 0 and I skipped over issue 0 and read number 1. And I was like, "Okay, this is good." And then 2 hooked me. And then, you know, I just read 3, mm-hmm. got done reading 3 today. This is probably the best X-Men crossover they've done in a long time. Because it actually, this time it actually feels like there's some stakes to it. Like, the mutants are like, if they don't have this ability, it's, you know, they go back to being, you know, just like everybody else. And I hope that's what happens, honestly. I know it won't. But I hope they get rid of I hate the resurrection thing. Yeah. That's the thing I've hated the most about this whole re reboot of this book. Of the books, is that they can't die. I don't I don't like it. There's no suspense in it. There's not it's There's like no, oh Yeah. Like the last Marauders issue, Kate uh Kate Pride got killed. I was like, well, well, I'll see her next. I'll see her next issue. You know, it's like it's not fun anymore. So, but yeah, I really like it. I was surprised. Honestly, I was surprised that I liked it. I was like, oh god, not another X Men Avengers. You know, but it's good. So, see, I made up for it. It's awesome, huh? It's nice that you found something that you like. No, I know and. See, I had a shit book, and then I had like seven in a row here, because or six in a row here, because I got six books sitting in front of me. Yeah. So, all right, cool. I'll go. Looks like you got a stack. All right, you're good. <laughs> we were off for a month. Yeah. Um, I picked up a uh, Black Hawk number one from '89 from DC by Martin Pasco and Rick Burchett. This book is nuts. Right, it it when it says um, for mature readers, yeah, it actually is fucking for mature readers because are there yeah. cats running around with their tits hanging out? No, uh, cat tits. When uh, when they say that Batman's not a hero because he goes down on women, yeah, Blackhawk goes down on a girl on this. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. Um, <laughs> uh, how do you describe this book? Um, it's like a comic book inside a mystery. Like there's a comic book running in it about Blackhawk, and then there's the murder mystery, and then there's the war stuff, and then there's the past stuff. Is it kind of like I get that sounds kind of descriptive of Watchmen to me a little bit because they have that pirate theme comic kind of, kind of going on in the right. So you're reading it, and it starts out in this war, and they're talking about like you know Blackhawk saves the day, but and then it goes to the end, and it reprises it again, but it's a different way of telling the story. Like, this was the way that she interpreted it. This is the way that it actually happened. It's actually a really cool story. I mean, I was surprised Ooh. on how good it was. It took me three days to understand what the fuck I read. I was like, what the hell is going on? I like Rick Burchett. 
but I might actually want to look to see if I can find more of those. Um, I read Warlord number two, finally. I've been collecting these for about, what, two years now? (laughs) (laughs) He gets kidnapped and taken to a slave pit and becomes a gladiator and gets taught how to fight, escapes, kills a lot of stuff. Are you not entertained? Raises an army. He's fucking uh, Spartacus. Maximus uh, Aurelius. And then for the worst book I bought. Oh my god. I'm glad I only spent like $2 on this. Marvel Riot. Number one from like, oh my god, this is Age of Apocalypse time. It looks like 90s. Yes. It's yes. gotta be what, 97, 98? Yeah. 98, I think. Wow. Hold on, let the old man put his glasses on. Hey. We all have glasses on. 95. Nick's got to be cool and take his off, you know. Can't be seen with his glasses so, on. So I like not Brandeck and, you know, um, what's that other one? What the? What the, yes. This one, when they say new a new comic for the same old jokes, yeah, pretty much. Like, it's not fun. It's just, <laughs> I like the Age of Apocalypse storyline, but when you do a whole eight different funny stories about just the age of apocalypse it gets that, that really would, that would get old that would get old quick it got real old real fast um not funny they bring up morph and that's the only funny part about it right so morph does show up in this and they're like here's morph he's the brick right <laughs> and then there's like hey there's morph he's the uh he's the dirt <laughs> hey there's morph he's the rock see i'm gonna be blasphemous morph here is the paper I didn't like Age of Apocalypse. No? No. I kind of dug it, but it was like, the funny part was Scott Summers. He's uh, hanging out with, like, um, Mr. Sinister, right? And then he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to go hang out in here. Bye, Dad. You know? (laughs) Yeah. That's it. I mean, there are some parts of it I liked, but I just thought it went on too long. It was a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's all I had. I All recommend right. not playing that book if you ever find it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First off, I've got book one of Vampirella, Shadowhawk. Oh. Okay. What do you got? No, I don't got nothing. I just want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize there's a book two because it's actually Shadowhawk, Vampirella, and I'm like, Oh, they never continued this. It's only one book. No, you need to read the second half to figure out what's happening. And I need to still get the second half so I can figure out what's happening. Um, so there is a, obviously a bad guy who has a army of people dressed like Shadowhawk and they're going around killing people. And I mean, at least they're very kind about it because they're like, yeah, uh, everybody move to the center room. You're all going to die, so you don't have any hope, but uh, at least you know that's happening, and we're not going to lie to you. Um, <laughs> so they're going around murdering these people. They call them the Bloodhawks. And Vampirella, being Vampirella, they're doing this in a church, and Vampirella dives through the stained glass window to come in and attack and try to save the day with her two sidekicks, um, Adam Van Helsing, who is the surviving member of the legendary monster hunting clan and, uh, and his nationwide band of soldiers. And then, uh, Mordecai Pendragon, an aging stage magician. So 
Vampirella, I don't read a lot of Vampirella, so I don't know if these are reoccurring characters that typically happen. Uh, but she's got some sidekicks now. And she's going after this blood group, or blood hawks, and she's taking them out with the rest of the gang. And um, one of the blood hawks is like, yeah, you'll never get our master, the Shadowhawk. So now Vampirella's on the prowl for Shadowhawk. Um, in the meantime, we see Shadowhawk kind of cruise in the city. You find out in here that he does end up having AIDS. And so he knows he's not going to be able to do this forever. And he's really hoping there's some way to, um, some cure at some point where he can continue his battle, uh, of evil. And he stops out of church to lay or list up a prayer. And obviously this is the church that the Bloodhawks are hanging out in and goes down and starts attacking the Bloodhawks and starts beating the crap out of all of them. And in the meantime, Vampirella is like hovering over and watching this. And she's like, why is he killing his own people? And so like any good crossover, the two good guys have to fight each other. And so they end up battling. Um, Vampirella then bites into Shadowhawk and the, lets the, uh, the inner demon come out. She, which she tries to fight to control so often and uh, bites into Shadowhawk and starts draining him. And she starts having these weird dreams after she leaves him. And this is like, un unlike anything I've ever felt before. Well, obviously they're making reference to the fact that he's got AIDS in the system. So she's getting uh, some of the feedback from the disease. And um, yeah, that's kind of where they leave off ish. Um, they're like, yeah, they're, and her two cohorts are like, are you okay? You usually aren't sleeping this much. She's like, yeah, I'm fine. And she's getting up and moving around. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of, and you see the last page, you see Shadowhawk turns into a vampire. So to find out what happens next, I got to get Shadowhawk Vampirella. This is a fun read. All right. Next up, uh, Lady Hell uh, by Chaos, issue one. Uh, Lady Hell ends up, starts off where she ends up in a desert and she all of a sudden realizes she's in a different hell. She is the queen of hell and she is in an alternate dimension of hell. And so these demons start attacking her thinking, oh, hey, you know what? Uh, you have no powers here. And she is weaker. She admits she's weaker, but she ends up managing to uh, destroy the demons because she can usually siphon power off of uh, all the humans that have been sent to hell and she can like touch them and get power. And she's like, well, I don't know why I can't do that with demons. So she does that with demons and she gets stronger and stronger. And then she gets to the, uh, well, what is her name? She gets to like the big boss of this version of hell. Lady Heck. No, it's, uh, Hella Mama. Hella, Hella, Hella him? Hella him. There we go. And <laughs> Helheim? Helheim. That's it. Uh, words are not my friends. Okay. <clears throat> and she's got the Grim Reaper standing next to her and she sends the Grim Reaper after Hell, uh, Lady Hell and Lady Hell basically kicks his ass and she goes after, um, 
the boss and she's like, nope, not going to touch me. I'm not going to tell you who sent you here and vanishes. And all of a sudden Lady Hell is now in this cosmic wave being what I'm assuming teleported to another hell. Uh, looks like it's kind of going the way of a Dante's Inferno type thing, only different hells across different, but whatever. All right. Uh, next one was Above Snakes, number two. I had no idea what this was. I thought it was actually a first issue, and I misread the cover. Um, but apparently this is about a cowboy who has... There's a snake in his boot. There is not. Who has a, a... snake on his plane, though. I'm tired of all these motherfuckers. He has a ghost bird that talks to him like a vulture. And uh, he's sitting there playing poker and a girl that he knew when he was growing up, not the prettiest gal in the world, according to what they're reading. Damn, that's cruel. Yeah, this is what they're saying. And um, she ends up convincing him to go on a date with her. So they're going out on this date. And they kind of go into the past and or they do a flashback and showing how they knew each other when they were kids. And um, they end up having a decent time. They're talking and laughing and remembering the good times, blah, 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 blah. Well, she has a vendetta against this gang because they killed her dad. So she found out the guy that was supposedly the one that did kill her dad was in town. It's Echo. So she goes into town to kill this guy and she's blasting away at him and he, he dives into the uh, stable and gets the jump on her and uh, starts running and she shoots him and gets her in, in the leg. And he then says, you know, we did you a favor by killing your dad because your dad traded you for, uh, you know, just traded you away for whiskey, basically. And it really hit home to her. And she's like, now yeah, she's Ray. She knows my dad. She knew her dad was like an ass. And so she couldn't pull the trigger. So uh, the main character ends up pulling the trigger. So he's the bad guy. And she doesn't turn into the bad guy that uh, she thought she would turn into by killing the actual bad guy. It's interesting enough. I'll probably pick it up the next one and see what happens. All right, so Mike Grell, you did Warlord. I did. I've got a couple of Mike Grells this week, actually. Um, John Sable Freelance by IDW number one. Uh, Blood Trail is only a three issue miniseries. Um, at first, the first time I read it, I had to read it twice because the first time I read it, I thought it was like two different stories, but it wasn't. It's one story, and you can see how it kind of goes together but the way that he wrote it and changed the scenery on it it felt like it transitioned into a secondary story um but one of his friends comes to him and asks him to protect him and he's like nope you already got me kicked out of your country i'm not going to help you protect you at all uh you've got you know you're you're like the king now of your country so you you have people that can help you so you don't need me to do this and um, basically ends up having to help him and it rolls into issue two, so forth and so on. Decent story. Um, the original stuff was so much better though. Shirtless Bear Fighter 2. So I love Shirtless Bear Fighter 1. And this one, 
he ends up joining the police force and helping um, the city and take on anything bear related, such as gigantic gummy bears running through the city. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and he ends up tracking them to the Sugarfoot Candy and uh, finds that there is a kid that's actually inside one of the gummies uh, or eating a bunch of gummies and running these things. And he punches a, the kid and turns into this like mole-like creature thingy. I don't know. Um, tardigrade? Yeah, like it's one of those like water bears. Tardigrade? Yeah. Okay. I, that's a new one on me. But uh, he's he's fighting Nerd. this tardigrade and <laughs> shirtless realizes that he's not winning this battle, so he rips his pants off. <laughs> I can't make this crap up. Um, yeah, this is just absolutely crazy. And so he finds out that inside the tardigrade is a little bear running the tardigrade. So they shrink him so he can go inside uh, the tardigrade's ear and beat up the little bear running the tardigrade. It's absolutely ridiculous. And uh, basically shirtless get oh by the police the police department's called the fuzz um gets kicked off the force because he doesn't want to play by their rules one doesn't want to stay dressed that kind of thing and he runs away and they do a flashback where he's watching a family um camping and he's talking to the bear that raised him and she's like yeah this these are your people you need to go be with your people and that's how he becomes shirtless bear fighter. Is that the girl from Yogi Bear? Is that uh, Cindy or whatever her name was? Mm. Look at the pearl necklaces and the, the glasses. Yeah. Cindy had a hat, right? I think she's a black bear. This is a brown bear. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a tardigrade right there. Now... We're getting into the weeds where we're arguing That's over weird. a black bear and a brown bear. <laughs> it's a bear. It's a bear. <laughs> the fact that it has a necklace and glasses on does not faze me at all. All right. Um, another micro I had was the Brave and the Bold presents Green Arrow, the Butcher, and the Question. Uh, this was a six-issue mini from 1991. Uh, no okay, hat. she didn't have glasses. No, no She had the... Fa- the 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 that's flower a, though that uh, <laughs> these are the hard hitting stories you can't get anywhere else. did Cindy from Yogi Bear show, show up, up in, in Bear Fighter Bear too? Fighter let us know in the comments Bear Fighter too like and describe <laughs> All see right. below to comment. <sighs> All right, so with this one, um, basically, long story short, um, Native Americans are rising up to fight the battle against uh, the corporations that are taking down all the trees of their natural uh, properties, and um, 
one of the big barons that are taking down all these trees ends up getting killed. And Green Arrow is kind of sneaking around in the woods because he hears about this uh, meeting that they're having and listening in and they're running guns. And um, so he's going after, you know, he starts fighting them. And in the meantime, the butcher, which is a new character that was introduced in the series, I believe is, has infiltrated because he is a native American himself and is trying to get some leads with what's going on. And it all kind of leads back to a rival uh, logger company that is in Canada and they're smuggling the guns across the border. And the question doesn't even show up in issue one. I've been enjoying the series though. All right. Now I got a little, it gets a little weird. Um, Weirder than (laughs) what we just heard. Yes. Weirder than cat tits hanging out on a cover. (laughs) It is. Yes. So I don't know uh, about that. Next one I picked up. Strange episode. Was the deadliest bouquet. Bucket. Bouquet. (laughs) I know bouquet. (laughs) Bouquet. Um, Love that show. Highest bucket. And it's basically the story of three sisters who, um, their mom ran a floral shop and one of the sisters was living there with the mom to help take care of her and make sure everything goes well with the floral shop. And you see that the mom is dead. <gasps> Spoilers immediately. Um, so, <laughs> so the daughter that's there is named Rose. She calls her sister named Poppy and they're trying to get a hold of their other sister named Violet. All the kids are named after flowers. Yes, it's. Is there a hyacinth? No, not that I've seen. How yet. did they not do that one? Rhododendron. But Rose is kind of like the good night natured caretaker. Poppy's the is wife with the name? kids. Is it uh, Bouquet? I don't think so. Rose Bouquet. Bouquet. Let's hold on. Daisy Bouquet. Probably doesn't say. I don't think it says yet if it did. I'm trying to see. They're keeping up with the. No, no. It's Hawthorne. What was that called? Keeping up with the. Keeping up with appearances? With appearances? Yeah. No, it's Hawthorne. Anyhow. Nah, that's a waste of a joke. That is a good. That is a waste of a good <laughs> joke. And then. Um, Violet shows up and she's kind of like the rebel you know, devil may care attitude kind of thing. Um, and they're basically like, and Rose is like, I don't, or Violet's like, I don't really don't, you know, mom died. We know what she did, whatever. And walks out. Poppy's trying to get the kids to go with their dad and like, Hey, we got some stuff to take care of here. You need to go take care, go with your dad. And the dad's a lawyer and he's like, well, I can help with the estate. And she's like, I'm not in the mood to deal with this right now. So they send them away. And so the girls end up start talking and they're like, we already know what's going on here. We've got to go um, take care of this. And they've basically, they turn into being all sorts of trained assassins to an extent. And they're going to go after the people that killed their mom. Um, so one's very skilled with knives. One's skilled as like a 
fighter and then one's skilled with uh, guns. So they've all been trained in different arts too. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. All right. And probably the weirdest one I got is uh, Love Everlasting. Uh, this is by Tom King. I had no idea what I was expecting with this. Um, <laughs> so it starts off with a 50 story about this girl who um, is in love with her roommate's boyfriend. And uh, she can't get a job. So they decide, you know, she's her roommate's like, well, my boyfriend's trying to hire for a position. So why don't you go work for him? So she ends up working for him and they get close and they become an item and the roommate ends up going out with another guy. So it doesn't hurt anybody's feeling. So I'm like, Oh, this is a decent story. You know, art's amazing. And all of a sudden it rolls over into a seventies thing, 60, seventies thing where it's the same girl. Well, it's supposed to be the same girl, a girl with the same name, I should say. And, uh, she's at a music festival and she sees this guy singing and it's just amazing. She falls in love with him and, uh, stalks him. Actually just hangs out out behind the stage with you know, stalking, whatever. Same thing. And, uh, he is a, like the son of the, of a high political figure and, um, her dad doesn't care for it at all. So she, he he basically bans her from seeing him ever again. And he shows up at the door and tries to give her flowers and tells her dad who he is related to. And her dad's like, Oh, so you are an outstanding student and you can date my daughter. Okay. And then it goes into the old West where two guy, two cowboys end up fighting over the, the girl with the same name. And she ends up with one of them or no, she ends up running away because the one that she loved ends up dead. And, uh, somebody tracks her down and goes to kill her. And that's how that one ends. And then finally, the final story is she is a nurse in uh, a hospital. I don't know what era this is. And, um, it starts talking about how she's just getting ready for the day and, the first image you see is her kissing one of the patients and that's how it leaves off. I have no idea what actually happened in this book. I don't know what, where it's going. There's no clue whatsoever. I'm lost. Uh-huh. I'm going to get the next issue. I think <laughs> it was like, huh, that's not bad. It is interesting. I only thing I can think of is it's like a quantum leap type deal. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Very interesting selection we had this week. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, anybody got anything else? Uh, so Ryan tasked me with watching the last episode. <laughs> Cat tits. Uh, the last episode of Ms. Marvel. And I'm hoping I picked up on what he wanted my thoughts on, but I'm not sure. Was it that Ms. Marvel is now a mutant? Yeah. Yeah. The X-Men song playing in the background. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that. So I think it's funny that everybody's like, when is the new or the, the first mutant going to show up in Marvel MCU? We already had him. 
in WandaVision. Yeah. Like, from across the multiverse came the other Quicksilver, Quicksilver which we is did. the first mutant in the MCU. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. But we did we not think about that. No, we were But weren't. they didn't play the X-Men song for him. No, they didn't. No. So, <laughs> that was, you know, I was like, eh. I thought it was kind of cool, and I it's, like how they tied it together with Brie Larson coming out. And I did like that part. I liked what Brie Larson popped out. So it confused um, a lot of people, though. It did. People were like, "Is she doing that Rick Jones Captain Marvel thing where they bang their the quantum rings yeah. together and they switch bodies?" Like, no, she just appeared there, and the other one went the other way. The other yeah. One, yeah. So, um, I watched the entire, th- and I got to give it a. Eh. I really liked it. It was good. It was just. I did. I went, but I like I mentioned, I went into it with no expectation and enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. 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 What about She-Hulk? I actually like She-Hulk. I love She-Hulk. And Nick's thoughts are? I hate the Hulk. (laughs) He always has hated the Hulk. That's, That's Edward Norton's fault. Well, I hate Smart Hulk. Or Smug Hulk, or does she call him Smug it? Hulk? Because there's yeah. no down, there's no down point to a Smart Hulk. He's no. powerful and he's smart. Right, he can do whatever he wants. There's right. just no, there's no danger to him. Right, it's like it's Superman. Yeah, pretty much. Superman has like this great cast of characters that are around him all the time, and Banner doesn't really. Banner's just Banner walking around doing stupid shit. Yeah. Um, they just needed a way to kind of bring, bring her, her into in. it. I know, and but so I I got that, and the since the last version of hulk we saw was smart hulk i understood where they where were, going. were going with it and yeah. they took care of it by saying yeah i gotta go take care of something off planet, off planet so he's gone he's now gone. i just liked how he was like uh i was literally a different person the last time <laughs> I saw yeah the abomination yeah when i fought the abomination that was like, hilarious you were literally a different, were person. Literally a different person it was awesome um i dipped my toe into stranger things I watched one episode. Wait, have you seen any of them ever? No, this is my first. So you watched episode one? Episode one. Okay. And I giggled when he said, I want your X-Men 134. And I'm like, fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole series is just a love love letter to uh, the 80s. Jean Grey. Yeah. Oh, Jean Grey, really? Yeah. I guess I never 11 picked up on that. 11 is Jean Grey. Yeah. Well, I could see that, yeah. So yeah. we, I dipped my toes into that. Um, trees in the book in the book in the show when he says I want that X Men one thirty eight or one thirty four one thirty four is the first appearance of Black Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. Yeah, I got you. So okay. I looked it up. I'm like, fuck yeah, you want that book, kid? Uh-huh. Um, I loved it. I gonna watch more of it. Season three kind of went, in my opinion, it slowed it, the whole process down, but push your way through it because four was wow. I uh I I I. I dipped my toes into the boys. I watched the first two episodes of the boys. Um, not used to seeing superheroes as assholes. Oh, they get worse. And uh, it's so, so good. <laughs> so I'm going to continue watching that. I went and saw Thor. See, that's coming to Disney Plus like Friday. So, like I said, <laughs> like I said, I was talking to somebody at work, and I was like, Ragnarok was better. But Love and Thunder is, it, it's funny. 
it's a good ride. Um, I watched a movie called One Up. It's about e-leaguers, the video gamers. Oh, yeah, okay. It was, it was a comedy about that, and it's freaking good. Um, Piper was like, what the hell is this? I'm like, you can go to college on a video game scholarship. If I had had that when I was a kid, I would have applied myself more to Super Mario Brothers. I'd be an e-leaguer now. He'd be getting the power glove from the wizard. <laughs> they actually so that's cool. That's in the movie. Is it? They put the wizard in the movie and then they're going through this this part and it's like an old like she's got like all these 80s and 90s arcade and all these video games and stuff and the girl goes over and picks up the power glove and I'm like biggest piece of oh, shit God, ever. I was so excited I picked that fucking thing up and it didn't fucking work. Let's put this eight-digit code in. Beep, 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 beep. And only work on a 13-inch screen. Yep. It sucked. Um, But, yeah. The problem I had with the wizard... Sorry, I'm not going to... But, like, but he, the little kid was, like, autistic, right? And he, like, was yeah. really it good was at... Rain Man for kids. Really good at Tetris. Yeah. But he plays Super Mario 3 at the end, just for a big <laughs> advertisement for Super Mario 3. But yeah. he should have played Tetris as the final game. They should have. Um, like that just kind of like brings it all together I was telling Teresa and Piper I was like so I went and saw the wizard when it came out Mm -hmm. and I was like oh Super Mario 3 I was like all excited and I was like gonna go home I was on vacation with my dad and so I was going home coming home to Omaha and I was gonna tell my mom I wanted to get Super Mario Brothers 3 and it was sitting on the counter when I got home nice I was like fuck yeah I had to beg for that thing I bought it when I was like 28. Nice. Yeah, nice. I didn't have a Nintendo. Yeah. So well, it's all right. I just bought my friends and now I have like all of those. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm buying the wizard. Yeah. On Blu-ray, I think I'm going to find, I found it. Uh, just cause it's cheesy as fuck, but California. <laughs> But yeah, I've been I've just been watching a lot of shit. We've yeah. had a month off, so um, watching a show called In from the Cold. It's on Netflix. It's a eight it's eight issue or eight miniseries, eight episodes. Uh I don't want to give anything away, but there is in my mind that it is kind of connected to a super more uh, superhero world. Real worth checking out. Seemed like there was something else I saw too, and I can't remember what it was. I'm trying to find an MMO for us to play. Yeah. When we eventually get to, you know, hang out and play. That's something you guys could do. We could. We could find an MMO and play. Because I I realized if I if I were to go streaming, I have to buy a new computer. Me too. Yeah. And. uh... Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things I didn't realize that I need to do. But yeah, I tried doing it and it was like your computer's way too slow. Like, uh uh-huh, great. But, um, yeah, I haven't really had a chance to do much. Um I've been watching the old real Ghostbusters cartoon because it's on uh Amazon now. All seven seasons of it or eight seasons or whatever. 
been watching that fall asleep too. Been doing a great job of doing that. <laughs> um, the new episode of Lower Decks came out. Did it? Yep. It's this week. It was funny. Only 17 minutes though. Wow. If you guys, I know you own, you own Transformers the movie, right? Nope. On, I do. It's on Prime. Is it really? Yep. I have it saved in my Prime list. Nice. Sandman. I haven't watched it yet. Watched five minutes of it. Fell asleep. It's kind of what it's supposed to do, right? Sandman. Let's just sleep. I think Nick needs to have a daytime job. <laughs> I saw Peter Pumpkinhead in it. Whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I went back and finished episode 11 because of or episode, what is it, uh, 11? I think there was a, it was like a bonus episode that came out like a week later. Oh, yeah. Well, it, I love the, the guy they got playing him did an excellent job. The gal they got for death. Wow. Um, what John, I can't think of his name. John, like the, can't, one of the characters is named John something or other. And there's one episode, there's two episodes that just like are forever going to be burned into my head because they were that good. And, um, that particular episode fo- focusing on John in the, uh, diner, like, whoa. Um, and then the death episode was just, I can't amazing. imagine how they would do the diner. They I, I did the diner scene where he goes in and, uh, they, annihilates everybody. He didn't kill anybody. No, I I read the book. I just yeah. I I got to the diner scene. Uh huh. Yeah. So they did an amazing job with that. And they're like, and I even went back and I read something on it and said that um they were amazed they could pull that off because it's like right in the middle of when COVID was at its highest, and to be able to pull that off, and that's kind of why they kind of kept that one self contained. And not the outside world being involved. It, it was wow. It, I was very, very impressed. And then the last episode is actually two different stories. And the first story throws you off a little bit, but it's very well done. And then the second story is like wow. I think I'm gonna have to watch that one by myself. I just got my wife to watch Stranger Things, so that this is really, really, really good. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else. Nope. No, so. we're good. All right. Awesome. We'll uh be talking to you soon. It's been Nick. Kurt. Ryan. See ya. See ya. The year is 1883. The hour is late and the mood is fear. As two exhausted human beings crash through the underbrush and into a clearing. There is no pause in their flight, and the pain of happening hours is hard on their Vincent, Vincent, they're gaining on us. See, see, they come. Vincent, we lost. No, Eric. Not if we can reach those trees yonder. Hurry, darling. Just a few paces more. Hurry! That's it, darling. Climb up as high as you can. I have a handhold, Vincent. Now, you come up. The man knows his companion is not yet safe. And all caution is thrown aside as he reaches for a stump branch and prepares to defend his own. Hold! And like a blanket.
calm enfolds the once enraged dogs, and they trot off, docile and tame as household pets, to the feet of their master. Please, gentlefolk, do not be afraid. The dogs will do you no harm. I am to blame entirely for this terrible incident. It was senseless of me to continue hunting after the sun had gone down. Forgive me. And please allow me to make this up to you in some way. The stranger's voice is openly friendly, but not till Erica is safely on the ground does the man Vincent reply. You are a gentleman, sir. But you may wish you had not so quickly called off your dogs when you learn who I am. Then please tell me. I can stand the suspense no longer. My name is Vincent. I am the nephew, the very proud nephew of Baron von Frankenstein. This is my fiancée, Erica. In that case, you are the new Baron von Frankenstein, now that your uncle is dead, which entitles you to the simple hospitality of my home for as long as you may desire it. Please accompany me. You must. If you insist... You are very kind, and we are exhausted. With his fiancée safely mounted on the horse of their new friend, the tension of the previous few days falls away, and soon the party comes in sight of a magnificent castle. My hope, young Baron von Frankenstein, and yours, for as long as you would like to stay. You are too kind, sir. I fear you may not know of the events surrounding my uncle's death. I feel honor-bound to tell you of them before we cross the threshold of your home. I know the events, Baron. His experiments, the monster he created, the destruction the monster caused, and finally the enraged villagers who murdered... caused the death of your uncle. But you, you are merely his nephew. Aye, merely. But a Frankenstein, nevertheless. And tainted. The villagers were not satisfied to murder my uncle... They came to my home at the dinner hour. They howled in rage as they burned my home to the ground. And in greater rage as Erica and I escaped in the confusion. We have been pursued, hounded from that moment. Ah, here we are. My home, Hilda. It's beautiful. I'm glad you are pleased, mademoiselle. This ordeal must have been terrifying for you. You must think a great deal of our young baron. I love him, sir. And if needs be, I will die beside him. If we can just keep them from finding our... Oh, Vincent. What Erica is most worried about is that... If it is discovered that I actually assisted my uncle at times... And know all the secrets which supposedly died with him... Our pursuers will double in number and surely destroy us. Please, baron. Enough of this depressing talk. You shall both be... And after a comfortable dinner, we shall sip wine before my great fireplace, and all this will seem as though it happened in another world. Soon the new Baron Frankenstein calmly bathes. A calm which is broken by... Erica! Quickly, Vincent pulls on his pants and runs from the room. Erica! Erica, where are you? Erica! You need go no further, Baron. What you seek is through this door. Erica, is she in there? I thought I heard her scream. Was it Erica? His newfound friend stands in mute silence. Finally, Vincent brushes roughly past him and into the indicated room. What is this? It seems... Like a blast of cold air, the full impact of the room strikes Vincent Frankenstein. The room, except for minor differences, is the duplicate of his uncle's laboratory. 
the room in which his uncle created what became known as Frankenstein's monster. Explain this. No. First tell me where Erica is. Calm down, my good baron. This laboratory represents my failure at the same experiments your uncle succeeded at. The same experiments you will succeed at if you ever expect to see your beloved again alive. In a blind rage, Vincent rushes past his betrayer. Look for her if you will, fool! This castle has hundreds of rooms, dozens of tunnels, and miles of labyrinthian dungeons and torture chambers. She would starve before you could find her. That is, if I put her in an obvious place, and not behind some secret panel somewhere. No, Baron Frankenstein, you will not search for your missing Erica. You will build me a man, a slave to my will, and will start now, or your beloved Erica will never see the light of a new day. All right, I'll do it. To escape the torture of not knowing, Vincent hurls himself into his sleepless work, creating a living man from dead bodies, which his now hated enemy supplies in abundance. No more bodies. I have all the parts I need. Where do you get all these bodies? And in such good condition... In heaven's name, man! I merely want you to be happy. I wouldn't supply you with inferior material. Am I correct in assuming that we are at the final stage? You are correct. But we will never complete that final stage until and unless I see Erica safe and unharmed. If I don't, I'll... Baron, please, please don't get overly dramatic. Mind your dials and gadgets like a good boy. And if you look to my left, you'll see your fiancé safe. Enough! My, um, assistants will guard your Erica as you work, Baron. Do not make any false moves, or they will kill her. Make no mistake about that. I am too resolved to be stopped by false heroics. Move! With practiced fingers, young Baron Frankenstein manipulates his panel and finally throws the switch that controls the raw electricity. That's the machine dies down, Vincent cranks the reclining body to an upright position. Is, is he alive? Did it work? He's not moving, not breathing. Give it some time. It could be hours before we know. An eyelid flutters open as the two men talk. Mm. Huh? Good Lord. He's alive and enraged. His brain inflamed. The patchwork creature stumbles forward as his creator tries to restrain him. Stop! Sit down! Stop! Stop him, guards! Stop him! Or it will mean your deaths! The two robed guards release Erica and lurch toward the raging creature. Subdue him, Cretans, before he reaches the door! But brute force cannot stop this monster. He smashes one guard and hurls the other with all his strength into the wall. And now he pauses. No one bars his path but the frail and beautiful Erica. Slowly he raises his eyes to hers and again moves forward. No! Stay away from her! Who can know the thoughts this monster has as he approaches? And now lifts the girl from the cold stone and over his head. No! Who can say if he thinks at all as he steps to the window ledge and hurls the girl to her death? And walks away from this now silent room, leaving a man whose mind reels and heart shrivels in his chest. Erica! Erica! She's dead. No, 
She's moving, I think. Oh, help her, help her. She's alive, but broken. She looks so helpless. Count, this is your doing. Help her, please. I'll do anything to repay you, please. I beg of you. Without a word. The evil host steps up to the window, raises his face to the moon, and parts his lips. First, an answering growl drifts upward. Then a shadow breaks free from the darkness of the forest and trots quickly to the side of the moaning Erica. As it becomes more distinct to Vincent's unbelieving eyes, his worst dreams become reality. It has the form of a wolf, but its gray color, its bearing, implies a more fearsome presence. The presence of the wind. It's attacking her, and she's helpless. No! No! Good luck! In his hysterical state, Vincent hardly feels the hand which steals behind his neck and clenches. There is a brief shock as he slips nerveless to the floor, and blackness enfolds him. Back on the ground, Erica has survived the attack of the werewolf, and though unconscious, her breathing is regular. There she is. She seems so still. Don't worry, she's alive. Talk, Bela, gather her up and bring her along. Yes, Grandmother. Ah, all right, we've got her. She's very beautiful, Grandmother. Yes, now, hours later, Erica slowly regains consciousness. Oh. Come, come, child, wake up. You have slept long enough. There is much to do. Wake up. Oh, where am I? How did I get here? Oh, I've had such nightmares. What is happening to me? You are in a gypsy camp, and I am Maliva, queen of the gypsies, and you... You are here to serve and make your place till the end of your days. What? What are you saying? Oh, Vincent. Vincent, where are you? I need you. This is insane. Please, tell me, this is all a dream. Girl. Girl. Silence. This is no dream, nor will it end. You will stay here and you will work. Or you will be beaten till you beg for mercy. Now go and begin your chores or so help me. The beatings will begin right now. Move along. All through the morning and hot afternoon, Erica toils into the cruel discipline of Bela, Maliva's grandson, as Maliva herself watches with a baleful That's it. That's it. Make her work for her keep. <laughs> Finally, as the sun goes down, Erica is allowed to rest, chained. Weariness brings its own security, and as she begins to doze off on the ground behind one of the wagons, she fails to hear the clumsy footfalls until... What? Who is it? Who is that? Please... Please, Missy, please, it's me, Torque. I would not harm you. You are like a flower. I I have brought some broth. I will leave if you wish me to. I just thought. Oh, no, Torque. Don't leave. You're right. I do need some food. Thank you. 
Your hand. The pentagram! Dropping the broth, Tork spins and rushes away from the helpless female, naked fear etched upon his face. Tork, what is it? Why do you run? The pentagram! The pentagram! And the moon is full tonight! Erica looks at her hand and the symbol of the pentagram which now appears there. Her mind drifts back to a poem she once heard. Even a man who is pure of heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and the moon is shining bright. Some say Bela is insane, and the menacing whip he carries adds to this theory. Why would he beat a chained and helpless prisoner? Why does he wait till the night to accomplish his loathsome ends? As he steps into the shadows, he hears a sound which tells him that never again need these questions be asked. The sound of the werewolf. No! No, stay away! Bela turns to run. Instead, a full-grown, enraged werewolf. Almost immediately, Bea's cry brings the gypsies from their wagons. Werewolf! There it is! Everyone, attack! Grabber! Pull her down! You can't fight all of us! Get her! Bring her down! Everyone's drives them back. Suddenly, a new sound attracts everyone's attention. It's... she realizes that these gypsies have battled werewolves before. So she runs. Leaving her pursuers far behind, her flight soon brings her to a somehow familiar castle. A castle whose sight draws her closer and urges her to enter. Easily, her animal form clambers to an upper window that looks into a deserted hallway. She pauses, sniffing the air, then jumps to the floor onto all fours. She scans her surroundings at a glance, then begins padding toward the only light source, which is at the end of the hall. Human voices alert Erica. It's no use. We'll never capture him. Stop whining, you fool! The monster's had a full day to calm down. Help me restrain him, or you will spend yet another day in my dungeon, Baron Frankenstein. That voice pounds in her ears. That hated voice must be stilled forever. (laughs) 
America's canine body as she hurls herself upon the master of this castle. The anarchy is thrown from him as though she were a puppet. You dare! You dare lay your paws on me! On me! Low beast, you die for this! Die at the hands of the Prince of Darkness! For I am Dracula! Oh, my Lord, what have I done? You, Baron Frankenstein, have done nothing but obey my will and do my bidding as I compelled you to do. The monster stands quietly and listens also. Do you know why you created this monster, this slave for me? Did you for one minute question what I would do with this creature? For this reason, Frankenstein, I am helpless in the daytime, like a sleeping babe. I need a strong, mindless slave to protect my sleep so that I might wake at night and prowl for the blood that sustains me, the blood of innocent victims to quench my undying thirst. As though awakened from a long sleep, the monster's lip curls and he reaches out to grasp the throat of Dracula. <coughs> Lifting the vampire into the air, he effortlessly dashes into the ground. Horror stretches the eyes of Vincent Frankenstein as the vampire, unhurt, rises, revealing an evil grin, and attacks the man-made monster. And this man-thing was Ben's clamp once again on the throat of Dracula. <laughs> Silently, each squeeze probe past neck muscles, seeking room by spine arteries. He's swimming! What? himself and flies upward and toward Vincent, intent on escape. The face of Erica flashes through Vincent's mind. Grim determination sets his jaw as he reaches for an urn of burning embers and hurls it full in the face of Dracula. Screaming in pain, he flies upward, circles, then dives straight into the monster. Tumbling into the laboratory, the two figures smash into chemicals and equipment. Ignite into a blazing inferno. Fire! Tremendous heat! I'll be burned alive. Maybe it would be just as well. Without Erica, I might as well be dead. No, I can't lose hope. She might still be alive. But as Vincent turns to leave, the werewolf blocking my path. It's confused by the fire. It'll do us both if it doesn't move. No! I must try to reason with it. Wolf, listen to me. That fire will kill us. We must go. I can show you the way. We'll die if we stay here. Rational thought lights the werewolf's eyes. Don't you understand? It's stepping aside. Letting me pass. It does understand. Must hurry before those chemicals explode. Hurry, Wolf, hurry. The flames are spreading. We only have seconds. We made it. No, don't stop. The whole place is about to collapse. There she goes. 
and then collapses in upon itself. Tis done. And now, Wolf, what of the two of us? Will you try to devour m What? Something's happening. You're changing, transforming, becoming familiar. Oh, Lord. Erica! Erica, my darling! How can this be? No. No, tis enough. You are here. Here. Put on my cloak. Oh, Vincent, it was horrible. Horrible! I can hardly bring myself to think of it. Don't think about it for a while. Just think that we are safe and alive and that the sun is rising on a new day. Our day. But my, this thing that will... You mean your werewolfism. My love, do not fear it. I know a man, a doctor, who has cured this condition. We shall find him. And we shall defeat this thing together. We have come through a night of unending terror, and it has come to an end. Mm -hmm.